1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Friday, March 1st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Hour number two, if you'd like to chime in, the phone call time slated for about 12.15. The number 602-260-1060 if you'd like to chime in. Uh, we'll get back to the NFL Combine list here. We had started this yesterday, rolled into today, and we're going to round out the final three teams upcoming here shortly the athletic had put together what we're following for all 32 teams this week in the combine and just kind of some narratives here and there's been some things that have transpired so far this week so kind of piggybacking off of that that has already occurred so we'll continue and wrap up that list here momentarily but first let's reset the scene with today's poll questions and we'll get things started with the kdos1060.com poll question who should be the college national basketball player of the year Tennessee's Dalton Connect or Purdue's Zach Eady. Uh, Connect, he's still out in front, 73% of the vote. Edie at 27%. It's a question that we officially answer today around 1230. Also, it's a question posed to Ricky O'Donnell with SB Nation. Bob had a conversation with him about that and so much more. If you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. As it is over on X at KDUS AM 1060, are you watching the NFL Combine on-field work on NFL Network? And the masses remain on the no side of things to the tune of 100% of the vote. I'm curious, is it no because the top three quarterbacks aren't participating or is it no because you've seen all their film uh, or at least seen their their games that they've played live on Saturdays all uh, from August to January last year? I don't know. I think that's a good question. I'm not sure. Um, uh, yeah, I, I have no. I just figured anything to do with football, people would watch it. <laughs> so maybe, maybe that's a. I think that at least based on the voting here, that seems to be a very inaccurate assessment by me. Well, you know, I, to to I guess facilitate that point is that um, anything to do with football doesn't always get watched because look at what's happened to the USFL, the XFL, the AAF, all of that sort of stuff. But that's different than but, the NFL. But now they've merged, so this is going to be different. That's right. So, I think that's coming up soon, through, right? Uh, sometime, I guess. You know, I've watched. You know, I've gone through. You know, I've lived through seven hundred footballs, the football leagues that have tried to challenge or do something in connection. And sometimes with the NFL, the only thing that really seemed to have any merit whatsoever was the World League, uh, but that was a long time ago. Uh, so I don't think that any of this matters, and there is zero chance I'm ever going to watch any of these leagues until they actually amount to something first. 
When it comes to continuing forth with this conversation about uh, the athletic putting together what we're following for all 32 teams, we've arrived to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the question Ooh, this here, be good one. <laughs> how they <laughs> approach the quarterback position. The Buccaneers want to sign uh-huh. Baker Mayfield. Mayfield wants to stay in Tampa, but what kind of contract is Baker Mayfield going to want? Is it a contract similar to Geno Smith, three years, $75 million? Is it something more than that? If you already think that because of the number of different uh, play pl- playmakers that they have, that they have to make decisions about, whether it's Mike Evans, they've already yeah. released Shaq Barrett. If, they th- if you think that they're going to put the franchise tag on Antoine Winfield Jr., then it really kind of limits what you can do with Baker Mayfield if you can't figure out and agree on a number. The other thing here, and uh, just when you were talking about all that, I just kind of came to mind here. I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong here, um, I haven't heard a word about him possibly even going somewhere else. Uh, is that because everybody's just assuming he's going to stay? Or maybe there's not that much demand for him. I mean, the dude played for you know, Cleveland, Carolina, the Rams, and Tampa in a 12-month stretch. Yeah, that that's like you know, you know, ex, you know, f- four of the 32 teams in the league right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that, too. Is it just because you know, he proved it? He proved that he could. It was his best and most productive season in the NFL. But obviously, Dave Canales is not going to be there. He's on to become the uh, Carolina Panthers head coach. So is it just a one year anomaly that that's kind of what people are focused on? Or is it really that they're, the two sides really want to work something out to maintain uh, him being in Tampa Bay? That's a good point. I know he has publicly said he wants to be in Tampa, but then he followed yeah. it up with, uh, but he wants market value. <laughs> well, his agent's doing his job. He actually said that, so that's a good thing, too. Uh, but it really, was it really a full season? It was like, Eight weeks, right? I mean, if we did this conversation, you know, like halfway through the season, uh, would anybody have thought, whoa, Baker Mayfield, he need, they need to keep him. Uh, but he was obviously incredible in the last part of the season and led them into the playoffs because he was really good. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I mean, the, the Buccaneers, they kind of started off hot and everyone thought we should look out for them. And then they petered out there for a minute. And there was maybe some conversation about getting away from things that were working really well. Then they seemed to go back to doing that. And then they yeah. ascended uh, toward the end of the season there. Did they peter out or pewter out? Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Oh, okay, okay. Those, nice, uniform, those nice uniforms that they have. Which I absolutely hate. I can't. Does anybody like those uniforms? And they keep bringing them back. I mean, what the hell? Those are the ugliest uniforms that I can think of in the, the NFL, except for, well, except for those the those the Steelers throwbacks when they look like they're convicts. Uh, those are those are the worst. Yeah, those they're are worst uniforms I've ever. Uniforms. Uh, those things. They look like they've been arrested. Uh, you know, th- those are the worst uniforms I've ever seen in professional sports. Uh, yeah, I really like the Patriots throwback with with the guy uh, as opposed to the flying Elvis logo. So I really like when they go back to their throwback looks. Okay. Bob um, Hune likes those too, and you're, you're, he's he's from New England, and you're a Patriots fan, so that's good. The Chargers, though, with the powder, <laughs> those are the best throwbacks of all time. 
They should wear those. They should never wear any other uniform. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, um, maybe there's like some teams that should just go back to their originals, like that they've been away from it for so long they can make, remake money by going back to the original logo. The Rams. I mean, those are their original uniform. Well, I don't know if they were original because they've been they were the Cleveland Rams before they ever went to Los Angeles. I don't know what their uniforms look like. But in the heyday of the Los Angeles Rams, the first time they were in Los Angeles, those were spectacular uniforms. Um, how about the the Browns guy now that's in the middle of the, the field? Ugh, that's <laughs> crazy. I mean, I grew up watching the Browns. They had you know tremendous uniforms. Uh, they didn't have any of this other stuff. It was just you know the, the Cleveland Browns because Paul Brown invited the Cleveland Browns. Uh, so there you go. And then they, you know, the Bengals have similar uh, colors because they, Paul Brown went to Cincinnati when they started their franchise. But they've got all these, you just, you, this the basic stuff. It was like Penn State uniforms. Don't mess with those. Don't mess with them ever. On to the Tennessee Titans, speaking of a team with many I locations. Just, I didn't anticipate. I, did, I, did I kind of, that's my fault. I didn't anticipate like a three-minute three discussion about uniforms, but it was fun. Well, no, I was just thinking that this is a team that certainly falls into that category with how many different locations they've been and what their uniforms yeah. have looked like. So yeah. there we go, rolling right into it yeah. with the Tennessee <laughs> Titans. For them. They need to look at three tackles and two receivers. Uh, Will Levis's Will Levis needs a long-term wide receiver to be able to uh, grow with, but also they desperately need a left tackle. That offensive line uh, is not what it once was when they were going to the AFC Championship game. Uh, what's interesting, though, Brian Callahan, the new head coach, uh, when he was offensive coordinator with the Cincinnati Bengals, I don't really know how much say he had in any of this, so I'm not sure that there's too much of a connection, but the Bengals took Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell that year. Uh, also, Brian Callahan has his dad, uh, as Bill Callahan, as the offensive uh, uh, line coach so maybe he can work some magic there yeah obviously offensive line has to be addressed uh two other quick things here uh you know i don't think that levis is any good and i didn't think he was any good in college uh and i did saying last year other than like one game when he was you know spectacular that uh is going to make me change my mind at least based on last season and the other thing back to the uniform thing the uniforms that they had in Houston when they were the Houston Oilers were far better than any of the crap they've worn with Tennessee. Uh, finally here, wrapping things up, is the Washington Commanders, and the big topic is the quarterbacks. New general manager Adam Peters and head coach Dan Quinn, what do they want from their next quarterback. Uh, would they even consider trying to trade with the Bears, paying a king's ransom in order to move up one spot uh, to get Caleb Williams? If they don't do that and they pick number two, uh, would they take a surprise as mock drafts seemingly have Drake May going to the commanders? Would they go Jaden Daniels over Drake May? So there's plenty of questions here for the commanders. Well, they already have one quarterback from North Carolina in Sam Howell. So would they take another one? <laughs> so it, you know, different organizations and different ownerships, different everything with the commanders. Even the team name is different than it is it used to be. Uh, so there's that. Uh, there's no question that your quarterback seems to be something that they're going to address. I'm not completely down down on Sam Howell. 
uh, thought that he had no chance to really survive, quite frankly, in many of his uh, drop back uh, attempts. And they needed on they, they along those lines, not just quarterback. They need multiple offensive linemen. And I can, Dan Quinn, he's in the same division as the commanders, so he had to know that their secondary was absolutely terrible. And I don't know if there's a starting player in the secondary from the commanders last year that should be starting for the commanders in 2024. Uh, yeah, so that kind of wraps things up here. Now for the commanders, I know the other – portion of things with people trying to play connect the dots is cliff kingsbury is the offensive coordinator and he uh had spent some time with uh caleb williams at usc okay so they got to figure out how to trade up to get him so good luck with that uh so we'll see how that goes um the other thing uh, the, the big news this week regarding the commanders uh from the combine is that the new owner sat in in all the quarterback meetings this week, sat in on those and supposedly did not like input with questions and so forth, but just observed. And I saw a whole segment yesterday. I can't remember if it was an NFL or NFL network, my apologies, but on one of those two networks, uh, it was actually on NFL. It was on ESPN. Uh, I saw a whole segment yesterday devoted to whether you should, should should an owner sit in on these things or just let their guys, let the people they hire do their jobs. That's an age-old question, and I did see that as well, that uh, Josh Harris was sitting in on these meetings. And it's hard because you're the one that is putting all the pieces together. You're the one that's writing the checks. So you kind of, I guess it depends on what your role is in those meetings. Are you then dictating how the people are supposed to be doing their jobs or are you just there because you want a firsthand account of what transpired so that you're just informed, but you're you're still taking a back seat and allowing them to, to do their jobs and to make their football analysis and their football decisions because I don't think he has a background in in football totally agree with what you're saying there I didn't mean it sound maybe I, I didn't mean it to sound like that you know that was a, you know, a terrible idea I just it was interesting I thought or a bad segment quite frankly I thought it was a very interesting segment to listen to and they they covered some of the things you just mentioned there too uh, but also I just wondered whether, well, this is a quarterback that's going to be the future of our franchise and I'm going to have to pay this guy if he's any good for a very long time. And I want to hear what he has to say. Yeah. I, I think that that's totally appropriate to want to sit in on that kind of conversation. Yeah. Um, totally agree. I mean, if we, I don't know if he's sitting in other position meetings or whatever, that would maybe be a little disturbing, but considering that if this all works out, whoever they take with the the, the pick of the draft, uh, whether whoever, wherever they're driving, you know, if they move up or they move down, they say this where they're at now. Uh, that you know, I can understand the quarterback thing, but if he's like you know showing up for you know like you know long snapper conversations, then I think there's an issue. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe there's also um, a sense of of pride that he has for being able to yeah. come in and, and, and buy the commanders from the situation that they're leaving and wanting to do everything he can to try to turn the franchise in a better direction, change the, uh, the, the narrative around it. And so he just wants to be as involved as possible and, and involved doesn't necessarily mean hamstringing everybody, but just kind of having, like I said, that sense of pride in wanting to do right by the the fan base and therefore having as much <laughs> knowledge as possible 
Yeah, I don't, it, I don't know. I don't know him at all or really know much about him, quite frankly. But if I were him, I would want to do I'd, – I'd find out what did Daniel Snyder do about anything, uh, no matter what it has to do with anything in the organization, and I'm doing the opposite. <laughs> that might be a good start. That might be a very, very good start. Um, we'll have some more NFL notes on the other side of the breaks. Just some quick things that caught my attention uh, this morning. And then we'll also get into the college basketball weekend ahead. 602-260-1060 if you'd like to chime in on anything that we discussed around the NFL, the NFL Combine, or uh, the college basketball weekend ahead. We'll certainly take your calls next. It's all happening here in the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app. Now time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show, right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, 602-260-1060 is the number. If you would like to chime in, some other NFL news that has caught my attention here. The Vikings, according to Adam Schefter, have informed running back Alexander Madison that they will be releasing him. He replaced Dalvin Cook, if you remember, this year as the full-time back. 16 carries, 180 or excuse me, 16 games, 180 carries, 700 yards, no touchdowns on the ground. 30 catches that is on correct. <laughs> yeah. 30 catches on 44 targets, 192 yards and three touchdowns uh through through pass catches. But it wasn't a year that I think uh, Alexander Madison wanted. It wasn't a year that the Vikings were expecting and ultimately really had no ground game to speak of. It wasn't exactly a year that Bob Kemp was expecting. You already took me through the Saints thing in the last hour. You're killing me here. Um, I'm sorry. You know, that was the te- that was the te- yeah that was the team I was most wrong about, and I drafted Alexander Madison and enthusiastically drafted him in my fantasy draft. And like three carries into the season, I went, "Wow, stupid was that?" <laughs> so it was it was a disaster. So clearly, they're going to be moving in a different direction on that front for running back. Uh, then we have uh, an NFL spokesperson has already said today that Marvin, Har- Marvin Harrison Jr.'s scheduled press conference uh, won't happen, so he's not going to meet the media anymore. I'm not, I'm not sure he had medicals or anything this week either. So He did not. Uh, there, there's all kinds of stuff going on here that there might be something wrong. You know, he just basically canceled this thing and didn't show up. Uh, for his press conference, and there's concern that there's something might be wrong with him as far as maybe family or something. You know, how, you know I assume this is social media stuff. But, uh, you know, as of like an hour or two ago, I was watching NFL Network. Actually, this might have been a rerun from earlier this morning. Uh, but there might be something else going on here. 
Well, hopefully everything is okay if uh, something else more significant is yeah. going on. Because um, really, I'm just really strange, really strange though. Because you know, I followed him obviously closely, and he's a really good talker too. So, and seems to be a really good kid, even though you never really know. Uh, but the, this whole thing is kind of strange. And uh, in addition to that. Uh, you know, I hope I hope that there is, I guess, something going on and it's not that serious, though, because otherwise my question is, how does this impact uh, reputation, if you will, uh, in with among teams in the NFL or at this point when you just assess that I'm as good as I am? Uh, it doesn't really matter what happens. I don't really need to speak to the media. I don't need to you know, have that moment where I show that I can handle myself in front of the media. Yeah, well, I think that maybe if he went to a went to a you know lesser profile university where he didn't talk to the media, uh, maybe that would be a bigger deal. And also, just you know, completely away from you know Harrison and the Ohio State thing here, uh, you know, we find uh, on a yearly basis that uh, short of, short of committing murder, uh, if the NFL thinks you can play, you're on their team. When it comes to some other things that caught my attention, uh, medicals showed Alabama cornerback Kool-Aid McKinstry, what a great name, <laughs> has a Jones Absolutely. fracture in his right foot, and he won't work out in Indianapolis, but he is expected to do his pro day. Then he is going to get that Jones fracture fixed, but that's what's up for Kool-Aid. Yeah. I used to like Kool-Aid when I was a kid. I mean, we talked like many, you know, like, five years old or something <laughs> so that's uh, the deal that was a big deal when i was a kid so there weren't alternatives in those days I was, you know, didn't have even gatorade in those days uh, so that's how you know 100 years ago uh so there's he had a really good season for alabama uh i think probably better than anticipated in alabama uh, at least at the start of the year uh and uh it's interesting to see how this is going to work because there are some you know the, the kid from toledo and i gotta learn his name because uh he's going to come up a lot uh who's uh you know considered to be by some to be the best corner in the uh, in the draft uh and, and a couple other players have got a chance to passing kool-aid uh so uh we'll see how this goes uh are you talking about quentin mitchell uh yes that would be him so they were talking about him on NFL Network this morning on the Good Morning Football Show uh, in some detail. Uh, but I'd heard about him before because I started listening to a couple of uh, you know, scouting combine, not scout, NFL draft uh, podcast here lately. And uh, in fact, I heard this name during the college football season because he was so good. Uh, then the other thing that caught my attention here, Tom Pelissero tweeting that the NFL tested optical tracking in two stadiums and the Super Bowl last season for line to gain rulings. The technology is not expected to be ready for rollout in 2024 and it would require a vote. But the technology seems to be there that maybe we're cl closer than we thought to the chain gang being no more. This I never never understood. I mean, we landed the man on the moon in J J you know, July of 1969, and we can't figure out how to get this thing to work as far as a, just a, you know, in this day and age. This is just absurd to me that they can't figure this out. Yeah, there's also been uh, NFL continuing to vet other technological advances, including replay with high-res cameras along the goal line, sideline, and end line, plus a scale track system tracking the ball, players, and officials. Uh, you know, there's a, 
there's a way to definitely figure out if a ball crosses the plane instead of the way that we're currently been doing it because there's like chips in the ball as it is now being able to get the next gen you know how else do you figure out how fast the player is going it's based upon you know things that they're either wearing or things that are in the football so there are ways to uh make this a little bit more efficient almost sounds like they don't want to do this am i wrong to even bring that up I mean, it just seems like why has it this been done years ago that's a great question um I, I think though we've entered into an era where you have all sorts of legalized sports betting everywhere uh and it's more accessible, more people than ever are participating, that I, I think you need to have things a little bit more buttoned up than just the, the naked eye, right? That sounds right. Even if we didn't have legalized sports gambling, we used to have illegal sports gambling, which I might know something about, for many years. Uh, you know, so even before, get this done. Well, we can write a letter, an email to the NFL office and say, "Hey, I I've done. I have done I've not I've received a letter from an NFL office once. George Young back in the day, uh, somebody, you know, sent him a column that I wrote uh, back in my, you know, journalism days and my, you know, Prescott days, and I got a letter from him, uh, but you know, this was a you know, I've never sent a letter to the NFL, but I have received one from the NFL before." Uh, let's transition here quickly into some college hoops conversation and we'll set the state. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this has been so fun. <laughs> you, no, no more Alexander Madison or Saints depression things for me? Come no, on. maybe we can get into some more uplifting conversation. Uh, well, actually, have... college basketball, I might be more depressed about this lately. So <laughs> Number... my TCU pick on Monday was a really brilliant idea, right? They lost by 100. So. Yeah. Uh, so number 24, Florida, is taking on number 18, South Carolina. It's 10 a.m. on Saturday on ESPN. South Carolina playing well in Lamont Paris's first year as head coach, but they do play one of the more slower-tempo styles across the country yeah. here. Um, what do you make, though, of South Carolina and their chances uh, when we talk about tournament time? I would want to play them. Because you, know, you mentioned the slow tempo. They would be a really difficult team to play against. They also are really smart. Uh, you know, he's done a tremendous job there. Uh, so much so that uh, if he wants to go to a, quote, basketball school, I assume he's going to have a chance. Uh, he used to be an assistant for Bo Ryan at Wisconsin a few years ago. Uh, so that kind of leads to the slower tempo preference. Uh, the other part of this game, though, is I, Florida is a team I really want to like. Uh, the good news is we're going to see them play several good teams, including tomorrow, uh, the rest of the regular season, the SEC tournament, and so forth. Uh, yeah, Florida, yeah, when I first watched them back in November, mainly December, uh, they missed a ton of shots, but they are, you know, they're like Houston as far as offensive rebounding goes. In fact, I would imagine that those have got to be two of the, at worst, top 10 offensive rebounding teams in the country. But now Florida seems to be making more shots. <laughs> what a concept that is. Uh, so they're a team I really want to like, and uh, I would want to play either of these teams in the NCAA tournament, actually. 
Number seven, Kansas at number 15, Baylor, 11 a.m. on ABC. What's the status of Kevin McCuller Jr.? It kind of seems like Bill Self has been. uh, This is not sounding good. No, it sounds like he thinks it's very unlikely he's going to return before the NCAA tournament if he returns at all this season. So that's not great news here for Kansas and Kevin McCuller. Um, on, on Baylor's side of things, Jacoby Walker leads the uh, team with 14.8 points per game. And then you have Ray J. Dennis at 33 and a half minutes per game, 13.3 points per game and 6.6 assists. Uh, Baylor is definitely improving. They have two guys that are going to be lottery picks as one, one and done freshmen. They're going to be, uh, you know, they're, they're really good. Uh, and also, just to further add to my agony, I mentioned my PCU pick for Monday was one of the dumbest things I've said in 2024. Uh, and that was uh, Baylor just crushed them. And uh, Baylor played zone defense in that game. They used to play zone defense all the time when Scott Drew first got to Baylor because they couldn't guard anybody. Uh, and teams really couldn't figure out what to do against their zone. Well, they threw a zone against TCU in this game. And TCU seemed to act like they'd never seen his own defense in their life and could make a shot. Uh, So, you know, I I think it would be foolish for anybody to bet on this game. uh, Unless, you know, they just, you know, no McCuller, no chance on betting on Kansas. Uh, So we'll see how it goes. But, uh, you know, uh, Baylor's a team, another team I kind of want to like. Uh, which, you know, as recently as last Monday, I did that. That was my anti-Baylor pick and my TCU pick last week. Largely, that whole there was much more of that because Baylor had just, you know, 48 hours before gotten off of a, you know, you know knock, knock, knock down drag out fight against Houston. I just didn't think they had him left in the tank, but TCU was just terrible. Uh, then we have number five, Marquette, at number 12, Creighton, 12.30 p.m. on Fox. Uh, Creighton being led by Baylor Shearman on uh, 18.2 points per game, 8.6 rebounds. Uh, Ryan Kolkbrenner, 17.1 points per game, 7.4 rebounds. He's 10th uh, in college hoops with his field goal percentage at 64.8%. Marquette, though, wow. it's Tyler Kolick, 15 points per game, 4.7 rebounds, and Cam Jones is the leading scorer for them at 15.9 points per game. Yeah, uh, Kolkbrenner was 10 for 10 the other night. I think he shot those 10 shots from like a total of 11 feet because uh, <laughs> he, yeah, it was just like a dunk festival. Uh, so I have no idea what to think of Creighton, actually. And I'm con- I'm confused about Marquette because was it two weeks ago tomorrow? I think it was two weeks ago tomorrow. They got absolutely killed, and I mean killed, when they played at Connecticut. They had no chance, zero chance. In that game, from like five minutes into the game, they had zero chance in that game. Uh, so I need to see more of Marquette. Now, the good news for Marquette is, uh, as we found out from Ricky O'Donnell, I didn't even realize. I knew they played Connecticut again here. I think it's on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. They play Creighton tomorrow. They also play Xavier. Uh, they're not that good this year. Sean Miller, I'm sure, is just a horrible human being because – He's a horrible human being when they're winning, it seems like. Uh, At least he was when he was at the U of A and treated people horribly when he was at the U of A when they were even winning. Uh, So I'm sure that everybody in uh, Cincinnati is thrilled to be dealing with Sean Miller these days. But those are their last three regular season games. And then we have the Big East Tournament, which could have some hellacious matchups. So I think I'm going to have a much better idea about Marquette, not necessarily after tomorrow, 
or maybe even uh, you know, I think a little better idea. They better play Creighton well at home. If they get killed by them again, I'm going to be totally off of Marquette at that point. Uh, and then we have number four, Tennessee, at number 14, Alabama, 6 p.m. on ESPN. Alabama shoots the three at 38.1% clip as a team. Mark Sears is 20.6 points per game. What do we make of Alabama right now? They're the worst defensive team on the planet. Uh, Worse yeah, they, than Kentucky? Even, oh, God, yes. Uh, well, they, 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 you know, well, they played last Saturday, and it was 117 to like 101 or That's whatever true. it was. And it could have been more than 117 if Kentucky just, you know, they took, you know, Calipari took some of their, his dudes out with like 10 minutes to go in the game. They could have scored 140 in that game. Uh, and I forgot, oh, it was against uh, Mississippi. Not a good offensive team, Mississippi. Mississippi scored at will against Alabama earlier this week. They're a horrendous defensive team. And they just jack up a bunch of threes. And then we have number 23, Gonzaga, at number 17, St. Mary's. Both of these teams won last night, yeah. so they're set up now for this matchup, 8 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, do we believe in St. Mary's to get it done? Oh, yeah. I think the question is, do we believe in Gonzaga to get it done? I mean, St. Mary's, I think they've lost one game since December the 1st, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. No, no more than a couple of games since December the 1st. They were like 3-5 and five on December the 1st. And I believe it's they've lost one game since then. They're really good. They are, you talk about rebounding teams, uh, rebounding margin at some point in the last couple of weeks, they were the number one team in the country in rebounding margin. They play tremendous defense. They're going to slow it down. Uh, you know, Gonzaga, the borderline still for the NCAA tournament. They win this game. There's no borderline remaining at that point. So I'm glad they're playing. And I hope they play again in a couple of weeks in the uh, the. Uh, the West Coast Conference Tournament because the only way we're going to get any gauge on either of these teams, quite frankly, is if these teams play two more games against each other. And Seton Hall is at number three, UConn, on Sunday. Yeah, if Richmond doesn't play in this game, which is apparently out there this morning, uh, there's no use. There's no reason to watch this game. Richmond for, for Seton Hall, their best player. Right, their player, uh, not Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> That would be true. I don't know if he's from there or not. That would be fun. That would Richmond be fun. Richmond for Richmond. I'm going to look yeah. it up now, and I'll have an answer on the other side. Have you downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. Friday, March 1st. Bob Kim, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll get to poll questions here in just one minute, but I have found the long-awaited answer here. Kadari Richmond from Seton Hall is from <laughs> Brooklyn, New York. Okay, I, I mentioned to you during the break they got a bunch of dudes from NYC, so that qualifies. So, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and he's a really good – he reminds me, you know, now that we know that for sure, uh, you know, I talked about the city game earlier. He reminds me of a New York City, you know, playground, black type of guard. I mean, he's, he's really good. I mean, unfortunately, he's not always been healthy this year. 
And now let's stick with the basketball, college basketball theme and dive into today's KDOS1060.com poll question, which is who should be the college national basketball player of the year, Tennessee's Dalton Connect or Purdue's Zach Eady? Okay. Um, I went off on a little bit on this. We actually, I talked to Ricky O'Donnell about this question and he didn't think it was a crazy question. Uh, It would have been a crazy question a few weeks ago. I just think that the national media has basically handed Edie this award. for He won last year, which he should have. I don't think there was any dispute last year. Uh, but he, they basically, the national media handed Edie this award like seeming like Christmas, or by, even before Christmas probably. That was long before a lot of people even knew who Dalton Connect was. And before Dalton Connect was, you know, basically he's put Tennessee in position to win the SEC Conference regular season championship. Uh, so if you watch him play, uh, he does an incredible he, – he might be the best guy running – and I'm not exaggerating here uh, – might be the best guy running through screens and setting himself up for good shots since Reggie Miller, who's the best ever I've seen at that and will be almost certainly the best ever I ever see doing that. And partly, and that's not all because of Connect. That's also because they, they do a tremendous job of setting screens – uh, like the Pacers used to do for Reggie Miller back in the day. But, you know, the fact that this is a conversation now, and it should be a conversation now, and I just think that so many people that just handed the thing to, you know, national media or fans just gave them the award, uh, you know, months and weeks ago, it seems like. Uh, but if I actually had a vote, which I don't even – I used to have a vote for when I was, you know, part of the United States Basketball Writers Association – and if I still had that vote, I, there's no, I would vote for Connect. They, he plays in a much tougher conference. Uh, he, he, I think he actually has to do even more because you know, Edie's, uh, uh, no offense, you know, he takes advantage of his size. Uh, but you know, he's a big, tall guy and scores a ton of his points because he's a big, tall guy. Uh, Connect has, uh, you know, Connect's going to be a really good, maybe this is a wrong way to judge this, He's going to be a very good NBA player unless I'm completely wrong here. And I mean a really good NBA player because of some of the things I've already talked about with him. Uh, but I would be really stunned if Edie were a thing. I think he's a bench player in the NBA because I think the teams will just pick, him, roll him, pick and roll him and put him right on the bench because he can't defend. He blocks some shots, but he can't guard anybody in a pick and roll situation in the Big Ten. And the Big Ten's not very good this year, which brings me back to the question here. The SEC is much tougher than the Big Ten, and I'm just kind of astonished at all the ED discussion, and it just seems to be because he won the award last year. So, you know, just some numbers here. Dalton Connect, 29.6 minutes per game. Zach Eady, 30.9 minutes per game. Dalton Connect, 20.8 points per game. Zach Eady, 23.7 points per game. Obviously, there's a bit of a positional difference here in the rebounds. Dalton Connect, 4.9 rebounds. Zach Eady, 11.8 rebounds. 1.9 assists for Dalton, 2.2 or 1.8 assists for Zach Eady. When it comes to field goal percentage here, 48.2% from the floor for Dalton, 62.7%. 7% from Edie again where your shot selection is also contributes to this uh but Dalton Kanak is 41.4% from three, uh, which is pretty good numbers. Plus, his numbers from the field are really good. The team for Tennessee is 22 and six. The team for Zach Eady is 25 and three for Purdue. Um, you know, I'm kind of in the 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 camp here of Dalton Connect because 
you know, both both of these players are vital to their team's success. Um, maybe it's just a little bit of fatigue for Zach Eady that we've seen it before. Uh, but Dalton Connect transferring in, making the impact that he is in the SEC. Uh, I think I'm going in that direction for just the overall impact that he has. And then kind of the position. And then the, I know that the ball goes through Zach Eady, but the position that Dalton Connect plays and just the um, what is needed for him in order for Tennessee to have success. Yeah, I agree with that. I will say one thing, just looking ahead to the NCAA tournament, we are in March now, so I'll continue to do this, is that you know, both these teams are better than they were last year when they both underachieved in the NCAA tournament. 77% of the vote is on Tennessee's Dalton Connect side of things. 23% is on Zach Eady. This is over at KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to X at KDOS AM 1060. Are you watching the NFL Combine on-field work on NFL Network? Um, if I happen to be around on Saturday, I'll turn it on, but I'm not making it appointment viewing. You're not? I'm not. Okay. Uh, there is no chance in hell I'm going to watch this. I watched a little of this yesterday uh, when we got done uh, with, the, with the extra point. Uh, they had these big fat linemen running around in the field, and I don't know what the hell they were trying to do. I'm not just talking about the 40 times. I watched part of that too, uh, which was uh, kind of a bad idea by me. Uh, but I don't even know what they're trying to accomplish. These guys are just literally they're rolling around the field for a couple of moments before they get up and – run where they're supposed to run next. So I guess that's if you get cut block, uh, cut blocked if you're a defensive lineman, you can, you're not uh, you you're not so fat that you can't get up or you can get up or whatever. Uh you know, th this is a big th this is a, a complete waste of my time. Uh you know, I, maybe it's not for the NFL teams, I assume it's not, but for my time there's zero chance I'm going to watch this. And after watching yesterday for maybe 45 minutes, maybe till I just got bored and trying to find, I think I ended up watching, uh, you, know, you know, Chicago PD reruns on I on television instead. Uh, there's no chance. There's no chance in hell I'll ever watch the NFL Combine workouts again, <laughs> ever. Well, the masses are in agreement. They're on the no side of things at 100% of the vote. Yes, obviously, therefore, sitting at 0% of the vote. That's good math. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm glad it all worked out this time. Sometimes it doesn't work out, all the math, and you always scratch your head as how that has happened. We wrap it up, though, on the other side <laughs> of the break as we conclude this Friday, March 1st edition of The Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app. We'll do that next. Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060.
Wrapping up this final edition of Extra Point on this Friday, March 1st, right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app, it is thank you time, Bob. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today around college basketball, an extensive conversation with Ricky O'Donnell. Uh, he's the college uh, basketball editor for SB Nation. Excellent stuff. Look forward to having Ricky on here in the next few weeks uh, since we're in March now. The NCAA tournament goes a little further into April than usual this year because of the calendar. Uh, so we've got a little extra time to get ready for the tournament and talk about the tournament. And I'm uh, certain that Ricky, I, I tried to you know, get him to commit to uh, letting us bother him more in the next few weeks. So I assume we'll be able to do that. Uh, sound day courtesy of FS1, ESPN, CBS Sports, 3TV. Also, special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And uh, Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next, but really fast because I went too long here and she's got to get done with the hour here because we're done. Oh, that's we are. Uh, we're hoping everyone has a fantastic weekend and we're looking forward to talking with you on Monday. But up next here is the Doug Gottlieb show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from five to six and then also a note here asu baseball is starting their globe life tournament we have all three games for you here on kdus am 1060 and kdo kazg 1440 tonight's contest is 4 45 p.m pregame and first pitch at five o'clock kazg 1440 kdus 1060.com slash sun devils is tim healy is on the call have a great weekend talk to you on monday